This is the Weekly Wealth Podcast with Certified Financial Planner, David Chudik, where we discuss the wealth-building mindsets and tactics that can help you to build and maintain wealth for you, your family, and your business. Hey, everybody, 2024 is here, and welcome to the first episode of the Weekly Wealth Podcast of the new year. So we're doing something a little bit differently for the first few weeks of the year, I'm hosting a series of webinars called Wednesday Wellness Webinars, and the first three have really not a whole lot to do about money, but they have to do with building health in other areas of your life. So this is the audio version of week number one, where Steve Pumphrey is talking about some fitness and diet issues that affect all of us that hopefully can help us to drop a few of those holiday pounds that I know that I unfortunately have put on. So hope that you enjoy this episode and don't forget to go to www.weeklywealthpodcast.com, click on the contact us button and set your appointment if you'd ever wanted to know what it would be like to work with me as your financial advisor. Hope that you enjoy this episode. I'm really excited to have Stephen Pumphrey on with us today. He's a certified personal trainer. And you might be asking, like, why is a financial advisor hosting a health and fitness webinar and next week, a a relationship webinar. And the answer is that I believe that we should all try to do everything that we can to have good lives in all areas. So if you're working with a financial advisor, but your health is just really just just not going in the right direction, well, then your life is not really great. So I want us to have good relationships. I want us to be physically healthy. I want us to be financially healthy. That's where this Wellness Wednesday webinars concept came in. And uh, I'm really thankful for you, Steve, for coming on here. So I'm going to let you take it away and uh, tell us how to get healthy. Tell us how to drop maybe a couple of those holiday pounds that I may or may not have put on this year. I will certainly do my best, David. Thank you so much for having me. And like David said, I am a certified personal trainer. I'm a certified nutrition coach. Uh, And that's kind of where where I want to go with just questions and answers. And if we have time at the end... I can also just do live Q&A if, if people in the, that are watching have questions as well. So Forbes, their standards, I think it was back in October of 2023, uh, yeah, last year, they surveyed 1,000 people for their New Year's resolutions. 62% of those surveyed said that they felt pressured <laughs> into making a New Year's resolution. And at the bottom of the list, only 3% said that they wanted to do better at work. We're going to look at the top five that they had come up with in this. And that was uh, improving fitness, improving finances at 38%, improving mental health, 36 losing weight, 34 improving your diet at 32 A couple of notes here. I'm hoping when people say lose weight, they don't mean necessarily losing muscle. Hopefully, they're talking about adipose tissue. We don't like to say the word fat because nobody wants to be fat or think of themselves as fat, but it's fat. Adipose tissue, when you have a cold, is just a lot to say. Overall, 48% of those surveyed wanted to improve their fitness. And I can make a really good argument that when you improve your fitness, uh, you lose the weight, you're at the, at the right weight for you, for your body type, and you improve your diet. You're going to improve your mental health, and you're also going to, believe it or not, improve your finances. So I will leave all the expert financial stuff to David, but bottom line is when you improve your, your diet and your fitness and your overall health, you are going to improve those finances as well. So, so Steve, I, if I could just really quickly jump in, you and I were talking and I don't know if you're the same way, but when I'm more purposeful in, in one area in my life, like maybe diet or, or nutrition, I become more purposeful in other areas like finance and relationships and everything else. So what is the saying? How you do anything is how you do everything. So if we, and, and I think 
you know, we tend to just drift, right? You drift to maybe putting a few extra pounds on or into debt and anything like that. So hopefully you're going to be able to help us to be purposeful in our eating and, and exercising in 2024. Hopefully. So my top eight questions, those are Forbes top five, my top eight questions. Now, these are questions that either I get asked or when I'm asked a fitness nutrition type question, I'll try and kind of like spin it around and ask maybe a different question or help that person understand that they might really want to ask a different question than what they're asking me. So these are the ones either I'm asked or that I ask people when we start that fitness and nutrition dialogue. First, uh, since when I was promoting this webinar on uh, my social medias, I did talk about a free offer. So I'm talking more about this at the end of the program. Um, but basically, 10 people are going to win a 60-minute uh, fitness consulting time with me. How much should I weigh? This is one of those questions that when people come and they say, I need to lose some weight, I will ask them, well, how much do you think you should weigh? And it's always a, a kind of like deer in the headlights. Well, I've never thought about that before. I, I don't really know. And that's one of those things that is very subjective. There is really no right answer for somebody when you ask the question, how much do you think you should weigh? Most people will say less than I do now. Nobody wants to come out and say, I'm fat. Fat's an ugly word. Nobody wants to, nobody wants to be fat. And really, the, your whole how much you should weigh is a personal preference. So that's basically where when somebody asks me, you know, I just, or says I need to lose weight, we push back and we start with the how much should I weigh question. And then I'll show them a picture like this. And I'll say, okay, which one of these two guys do you think weighs more? And the obvious answer is, well, everybody goes, well, the guy on the right. And I'll ask why. And they say, well, you can, he just, he, look, he looks, well, he looks one way compared to the other guy, but in fact, it's the same guy. And he weighs 175 pounds in both of these pictures. And then people take a step back and they're like, well, wait a second, wait a second. Why does he look fat on the one on the right versus the one on the left? And what it comes down to is this, the old saying, well, muscle weighs more than fat. It, it's like when you're a kid and you, you ask the question, you know, the old joke of, what weighs more, a uh, thousand pounds of feathers or a thousand pounds of rocks? A thousand pounds is a thousand pounds. Five pounds of fat is five pounds of muscle. Fat just takes up more volume than what muscle does. So you can see here when five pounds of fat takes up a whole lot more area space than five pounds of muscle. When you have that on your body, you're going to look bigger in certain areas, depending on where you carry your ex excess body fat, than somebody who is more lean and has more muscle mass to them. So yeah, the same guy weighing the same weight can look completely different. And a lot of times I will also push back on people and say, well, how do you think you look? How do you feel? I mean, are you okay with your looks? I mean, not everybody you know, has to look like the guy on the left here. It's okay to look like the guy on the right. But on the other two, the one guy is really, really happy in that slide. And then the other guy is not, not quite so happy. You can be out of shape by some people's definitions, or maybe even your own, but completely happy with that. And that's fine. I would say that you might want to check with your doctor, have him do some blood work and make sure that you're metabolically healthy, that your labs aren't out of whack, that you don't need some kind of correction there. But if you are happy with who you are, that's fine. If you're not happy with who you are, then yeah, okay, then let's, let's talk about where we're going to improve things. But if you have, if you're generally happy, have, have energy, you sleep well, you move well, that's great. What's the problem? So the next big question I get after we have that whole conversation is, okay, well, if I want to lose weight, how much should I be eating? 
And a lot of times we'll get hung up on calories and calories can get really, really confusing for people. And on what it is you're trying to achieve, whether you're trying to gain or lose weight or gain or lose fat, that number is going to differ. As humans, we generally underestimate how many calories we eat and overestimate how much exercise we get. So if I think I'm eating 1,800 calories a day, I'm probably eating more like 2,000. And if I think I'm getting an hour of strenuous exercise a day, probably more like 30 or 45 minutes. That's just how we are. And there's really no, like I said, no one-size-fits-all answer to this question, how much you should eat, because we're all different. There's 8 billion people on this planet. There's not one specific program or plan or anything that's going to be right for one person, but we can get you in the ballpark. Now, we get into some numbers here. The easiest formula to use is your body weight times a multiplier. We're going to go through the multiplier in a second. Is equal to the number of calories that you should be eating in a day. Now, again, this is a really rough estimate, but it's a starting point. It's a guide to kind of get you started and thinking, oh, okay, that's about how many calories I should be eating. Now, these multipliers, uh, 10 through 15, is how many hours of exercise a week you get. Now, here again, this is going to be very subjective. Uh, a multiplier of 10 is going to be little to no physical activity, okay? So think of you, you don't go to the gym. You're, you're basically a desk jockey and a couch potato, okay? You got a desk job and you don't do any extracurricular, you know, no walks, don't take the dog for a walk, a very sedentary type person, okay? And then it goes all the way up through like a level 15 or a multiplier of 15 where you're getting 12 or more hours of exercise a week. Now, this could mean that you go to the gym. It could also mean, I mean, just coming off the holiday season, the UPS and FedEx guys were running around like crazy. Um, and I've yet to see any of those carrying a lot of excess weight. Maybe it's just the ones in my neighborhood. But they get probably 12 to 14 hours a day of movement. I mean, they, you might, they might sit in the truck from house to house, but they get up and move a lot. And they're lifting and they're carrying and that kind of stuff. So in the middle, you know, teachers that are active, uh, waiters, waitresses, servers, those kind of things where you're not necessarily quite as active as what, you know, the, what a construction worker, UPS driver. But that should give you a good idea of those different multipliers. So I'm going to walk through a couple examples of that. We're going to use me as an example. I weigh roughly 180 pounds. So if I was the couch potato and had a desk job, I need roughly 1,800 calories a day, which pretty much jives with if you flip those products around on the grocery store shelves and read the nutrition label, it says based on a 2,000 calorie a day diet. So the recommended calories on the back of most things are based on a 2,000 calorie a day diet. They're assuming that you're getting a little bit of movement out there and you're not, you know, your activity multiplier is not a 10, you know, 11, 12, 13. But that is a, a rough starting point for somebody that is my weight that doesn't do hardly any physical movement, okay? The rest of them, you know, would just get into the multiplication tables. Someone like me, at, for, for me in, in real life, at 180 pounds, who does get about 12 hours of, of activity a week, you're looking at 2,700 calories. So if you are trying to go up in weight or down in weight, you want to eat either more or, few, more or less calories. If you are trying to lose weight, fat, um, you want to be in about a 500 calorie deficit. That will allow you to lose a safe amount of weight, about two pounds per week. And the same if you're trying to gain weight, you want to eat in about a 500 calorie surplus per day. So that'll allow you to gain about two pounds per week. Now, what it is you're either gaining or losing for either one of these scenarios is going to depend largely on how much physical activity you are getting. I encourage 
everyone to do strength training, male, female, it doesn't matter. A lot of times ladies will say, I don't want to get bulky. I don't want to lift weights. That's not going to be a problem for you. There's plenty of guys out there that try to get bulky and can't. And then there's a lot of them that do the artificial stuff that you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger comes to mind. And he readily admits that he used steroids to get as big as he was. Ladies aren't going to have that problem. You're just, your testosterone levels aren't there. But the point here is if you are trying to either gain or lose, you do not want to lose muscle weight. A lot of people that go on a crash diet and cut their calories drastically and don't exercise, the weight that you do lose is muscle weight. And you don't want to do that. You're trying to lose the adipose, that extra fat tissue, and, and not muscle. And if you're going the other way, you're trying to gain weight. If you just eat 500 extra cal- calories a day, your body's like, oh, look, energy. I'm going to store this right here. It's probably going to be on your hips and not your biceps where you want it. So strength training in a gym or even at home, bands, dumbbells, kettlebells, whatever you have at home, even body weight stuff is really the key when you're trying to lose as well as gain weight, okay? How do I deal with counting calories when I don't have time for that, okay? That's where this nutrition guide comes in really, really handy. And handy is kind of a pun because in a second, we're going to learn about how we use our hand to figure out how much we should be eating. So this is what I use with my clients to help them figure out how much they should be eating, no matter which way they want the scale to go. And again, I'm using my numbers here. So um, about me, I'm 54-year-old male. I weigh about 180 pounds and I'm five foot ten. I did not get the height gene in my family. Activity level is, I put in here moderate, so I didn't go overboard with that. My diet, basically, I'm willing to eat anything. I do eat a lot of protein, but I'm not like protein only. I'm not a vegan or vegetarian, and I don't do super high carbs. So it's an anything, basically a balanced diet, 30 uh, protein, 35% carb, and 35% fats, okay? And my goal is what's called body recomposition. So I would like to lose fat, gain muscle. What we end up having is using our hand. Again, when I run the numbers for me, I will eat six palm-sized portions of protein per day. And then it gives me an example, chicken, tofu, and you have your hand with you all the time. So if you're out to lunch or dinner or whatever, and you know that I'm supposed to be eating two palm-sized portions of protein for dinner, there's no guessing. You have your hand right there. You can see, oh, I need a piece of steak that's twice as big as my hand, okay? The same goes true for the vegetables, you know, spinach, carrots, cauliflower, whatever your vegetables. For me, I should be eating six to eight fist-sized portions of vegetables. Really easy. Put that on your plate. That's how many, you know, six of those a day. So roughly two to three per meal. You have two fistfuls of vegetables on your, and that's not like in your fist. That's the size of your fist. Carbohydrates, cupped, if you can see my hand, like a cupped handful of how many, how many can you, you cup your hand? How many can you put in there? You know, beans, blueberries, sweet potatoes, oats, those kind of things. So for me, eight cupped handfuls per day of carbohydrates. So about two to three per meal. And then your thumb for your fats. So whether it be olive oil or walnuts or avocado, or I mean, I don't have a problem with people eating butter or ghee or lard or any of those things, but thumb sized portion of fat for me that not. So roughly you know, three per meal if I'm eating three meals a day. So that to me is a whole lot easier than trying to figure out, okay, how many calories are on a piece of steak? It's easier. I have my hand with me all the time. You just got to carry this one piece of paper with your, take a screenshot of it and put it in your phone. (laughs) Next question up, now that we know how much we should be eating, 
what should we be eating? The nutrition guide gave us a, a couple examples in there in which the detailed version is like, I think it's like 18, 19 pages. It goes through a whole bunch of different things. But I am an eat anything kind of person. I have no problem with the foods on the left-hand side of the screen. I have no problem with the foods on the right-hand side of the screen. I say that with hesitation. Unfortunately, in this country, I think we just have our moderation not in control at all. Both of them are okay to eat, but we eat far too many of the ones that are on the left. So the Dr. Peppers, the Doritos, the M&Ms, the Twix, all that. I'm not saying that you shouldn't, you should never eat that stuff. I'm just saying that you shouldn't eat as much of it as what we are doing as a country, as a nation, as a world population. Um, the same goes with the donuts and cheeseburgers and that kind of stuff. I love me a good five workers uh, burger with, with you know, fries. I, I, I do. If I ate one of those every day, I wouldn't be able to fit through my office door. So we really needed to switch those things around. So we eat more of only one food ingredients. Pretty much everything on those uh, two larger pictures now has basically one ingredient in it, uh, with except for probably the bread and the pasta down the bottom. And my hope is that they didn't put a lot of funny stuff in those kind of, of foods. But the fewer ingredients that are in your food, the better off you are. The other thing to take into consideration, we'll talk more about food labels in a little bit, but when you flip those things around and you look at the ingredient list on the back, can you pronounce that stuff? Maybe it's just me, but I don't necessarily want to eat stuff that I can't pronounce. I mean, when you see something that says sodium hexametaphosphate, I don't know what that is. I don't know if I want to eat that or not. But when I pick up, you know, think bananas and tomatoes, I can tell what it is. Some different food products, when you pick it up and you take it out of the packaging, you look at it, I don't know what it is. I'm a big fan of being able to identify your food and what's in your food. Weight loss drugs. These have been really, really popular in the news. I'm not going to go into a whole lot of detail on these because I'm not a doctor and I don't want people to get the wrong idea about my opinions of them. If you and your doctor sit down and talk this through and decide that you need to go on one of the popular weight loss drugs that are out there today, by all means, I'm certainly not going to stand in your way. I would encourage you to go out and Google, put in the weight loss drug, whatever name it is, and put sex on the end of that. So I will let the drugs speak for themselves. This with a couple of them. It's a really long list of side effects. Does it happen for everyone? Do these side effects happen for everyone? No, absolutely not. Do some of them happen for some people? Yes, they do. I personally know a couple people that are on and it's not going well for them. There was one lady I know in particular that ended up in the hospital and it was a direct result of the medication that she was on. So that's, I don't want to totally turn people off for them because I think there is a right use for those kind of things. But what doesn't have side effects are these things right here. Now, I'm not saying allergies. I totally understand difference between a side effect and an allergy. Plenty of people can have an allergy to shellfish or fish or, you know, some kind of vegetable or something like that. I understand that. We're not talking about an allergic reaction. We're talking about an actual medical side effect for something. So just keep that in mind. If you haven't tried working with a dietitian or somebody like myself, a nutrition coach, my recommendation would be try that route first before you go the, hey, doc, can I get on the blah, blah, blah. Another big question I get asked is, how much cardio do I need? People are like, oh, I gotta lose this weight. I gotta get on the treadmill. I gotta run. Okay, okay, okay. You know, and then it's, well, what's the best kind of cardio? Do I need to get on the treadmill? 
do I need to do it in the morning? How about in the evening? Do I, somebody says that uh, it's better to do it after a weight training session. Somebody else says it's better to do it before a weight training session. How much do I need to lose weight? Well, if we look at an expert, and this was, uh, I think he was in men's health or something like that. David Wiener is his name. He says, on average, running burns between 280 and 520 calories every 30 minutes. So roughly 500 to 1,000 calories an hour. Okay, that's great. That seems great. 500 to 1,000 calories an hour. What's people's number one excuse for not exercising? They don't have time. Yeah. All right. Exactly. I don't have enough time. And I get it. You got work, kids, family, the spouse, the pet. All of that takes time. So how much do you need to lose weight? How much cardio do you have to lose, have, have to do to lose weight? Absolutely none. None. I'm not saying don't do cardio. Cardio, there's a, a reason why you do cardio. It's for your heart. Build the heart muscle. Your whole cardiorespiratory system. That's what it's there for. And it does do a good job of burning fat or burning calories, sure. But that's not the only thing you can do. I've run five marathons in my life. And um, the last one was, I think, back in 2018. Mm -hmm. And I remember you start off saying, well, you know, I'm in my mid-40s. I'm going to run a marathon so I can lose some weight. That'll be an easy way to lose weight. And and I did. I put in a lot of miles. I mean, we're talking 25 miles on a slow week, but, you know, 30, 40, 50 miles. And I did not lose weight. And, and I think what happened was you tell yourself, well, I need to carb up and fuel up. And then you tell yourself, I need to recover. And then you're just so freaking hungry because you burned all that. I don't know that I ever really went into a caloric deficit because, you know, you stop at QT and you you get a, you know, a power bar and there's 300 calories. Well, there's 30 minutes of, of your hour long workout you just replenished. So I think it it is a little bit of a, of a misnomer that cardio, just do cardio and you lose weight. That That's not the case. Yep. I do recommend a couple specific exercises. They work every time, guaranteed. You can do them anywhere, anytime. They're very low impact. They're not going to hurt your joints. They are fork put downs and plate pushaways. <laughs> Nobody wants to hear that. These are two of the most extremely difficult exercises you will ever do. <laughs> Trust me, I love to eat. I love food. We also need food. I mean, you need food for nourishment. And exactly what you were just saying, David. Well, I just, I did all that work. I'm, I'm hungry. Well, okay. <laughs> But when is enough enough? I mean, how do you know when to stop? That's one of those things you have to tune into. We're going to talk more about that in a little bit. But the fork put down and the plate pushing away, they sound really, really easy. I'm just going to put the fork down. I was raised with the, you not only ate what was on the plate in front of you that mom fixed, but you also ate all of it. But my parents, I was very blessed. They were obviously very into portion control. I don't have, you know, I was never an overweight kid. So they, you know, must have fixed the right amount or put the right amount on my plate. But it's really, really tough to do when you've been told growing up, well, clean your plate. I don't like to waste food. Like, you know, I, I just recently bought a one of those uh, vacuum saver things. And the next thing in budget is going to be a freezer so that every time I fix too much food, you know, the leftovers are going to get saved. Um, yeah, I have chickens and yeah, they'll eat anything. But that's just money I'm throwing out the door and feeding chicken. I'm already buying chicken food. I don't want to feed them my human food when I can put it in the freezer and eat it again in a couple of days or a couple of weeks, a couple of months. So the fork put down a plate push away sounds really easy. And for some people it is, but I know, I mean, for me personally, it's, it's just not. And I mean, here's, here's an example. This is me. I wasn't faking this. I love Dr. Pepper. I do. It's 240 calories in that bottle of soda. So exactly what you were just saying, David, the running coach, 
had me will have me running for 30 minutes to burn off that soda. I'm going to be hungry again in 30 minutes because there's no there's no sustenance in that at all. There's a lot of calories. But I mean, it's going to sit in my stomach for a couple minutes and hit my bladder and then it's gone. So, yeah, if I didn't drink it, I was sitting down, not buying it at all, which is the financial savings. I'm saving myself 240 calories right there. Now, think of it, of how much you can save by just not drinking those. I mean, I, I would drink one of those a day. Well, they're like $2.50. Multiply that out by 365. This is a lot of money right there, not to mention the calories. Okay, so then the next question is, okay, we've got on our nutrition program. We're losing weight. How do we keep it off? I'm, I'm doing really, really well. How do I keep off the weight? In one word, consistency. The time you go to bed, the time you wake up. And I totally understand. It's like, oh, I worked, you know, I worked 12 hours yesterday. I'm off tomorrow. I want to sleep in until noon. Well, if your normal wake up time is 6 a.m., go to bed a little, a, a little bit later or whenever. Or if you oversleep, you're throwing off your whole metabolism and rhythm. Just pick a, pick a bedtime. I mean, I'm very consistent. Even on my days off where I don't have to go into my day job, I get up at the same time. My alarm goes off at 3.30 every morning. I'm in bed, falling asleep, 7, 7.30 every night. So sleep and wait time are very important. But I understand people have lives, they have kids, they have other stuff going on. Use the 90-10 rule. 90% of the time, try and stay consistent with stuff. Portion control. Portion control when it comes to how much you should be eating, your hand size, your calorie count portion meal, however you're going to do it, pay attention to portion control. And again, use the 90-10 rule. Perfectly fine to go out with a bunch of friends and eat an entire pizza. But understand that you just probably ate 4,000 calories in one sitting. You're going to have to dial it back in the next couple of days. Food labels, very important. You don't have to know everything that is that you're reading. When I first started on this this fascination, that I, I looked at food labels, I had no idea what this So I just had to Google stuff. You know, what, what sodium hexametaphosphate, and yeah, you put it in Google and it comes up and it tells you what it is. Like I said, you don't have to like study them, just flip them around every once in a while, look at it. Stuff's going to start clicking. Home cooked meals, what I was talking about a minute ago with, you know, when you fix too much food, you can save it. Not that you can't do a doggy bag from a store or, or a fast food or a restaurant or whatever out, but you at home are also going to know exactly what went into your food. You're going to be smarter about what goes into your food. And a lot of times in, in restaurants and all, they will way overdo the fat because if they're doing something in a hurry, they don't have time to worry about food sticking to a griddle or a, a flat iron or whatever when they're fixing food for you know a couple hundred people in a restaurant. They might have a calorie count on the menu, probably wrong. And that's not their fault. It's just, I mean, those the, the government doesn't regulate that stuff and make them have to have that calorie spot on. The answer is learn how to cook and, and do it yourself at home. Water intake, a lot of times we're not necessarily hungry. We are thirsty. We're dehydrated. I shoot for about a gallon a day. And I do this. I have mason jars around the house. Like I'll have, I really never have one in my office because I don't want to spill it all over the desk. But 32 ounce, I think there's, anyways, mason jars throughout the house. One in the bathroom, one in the kitchen. I have one at work. And I try to drink four of those a day. And I'm, most of the time I'm in excess of that. Movement. And by movement, I'm separating movement from exercise, movement at your work. I have a standing desk at home. I have a standing desk at my day job. When you go to the grocery store, do you try and drive, do you drive around the parking lot and try to find a spot closest to the door? I understand on a rainy day, yeah, you want to do that. But on a nice day, park out a couple spots. Well, you know, when I go to the store, I normally park out as far away from the door as possible for a couple of reasons. Probably never anybody parked out there, so I'm not going to get door dings from other cars. 
And then I can walk all the way into the store. And then after movement comes actual purposeful exercise, I encourage everybody to shoot for at least an hour a day. You can do stuff at home. You can do stuff in the gym. You do not have to do a gym membership or anything like that. There's plenty of things you can do at your house. Uh, Take the dog for a walk, do some push-ups, do some pull-ups. Amazon has really good deals on exercise bands. I think there was there was a couple of different ones right before Christmas that were less than $20 for a full set of bands. So there's plenty of things that you can do exercise-wise at home. And then lastly, there's fork put-downs and plate push-aways that are probably the toughest things in that whole list. Then, of course, you know, after we've gone through that, I always get that, okay, what else? What else you got for me? My number one thing is building muscle. Me, me one that was 18 versus me, you know, I, where I am now, I recommend this for men and women building muscle because muscles use fuel. Fat is fuel. The, the fat on your body is just, it's the, it's the same equivalent of the, gas ta- of the gas in the tank of your car. It's sitting there waiting to be burned. Muscle is what uses that fuel. So when you have more muscle, you need more fuel. So when you activate those muscles, it's going to start burning fuel. And you can get that from the fat on your body, which is good because you want to be in a calorie deficit. That'll make your body start using that fat that it has stored on you for the fuel. And then you can also eat more food when you have more muscle. It's a good thing when you like food. (laughs) Hidden calories. We talked about the uh, condiments and flipping those around and looking at the nutrition labels and all before. There's a lot of hit, but yeah, everybody, if you've run social media, you've probably seen people doing the, I'm going to pour the amount of sugar in the, in a tablespoon of ketchup into the bottle thing on social media. But it's true. There's a lot of extra stuff that we put in salad dressings and condiments and things like that, that make them, they, they taste great. I mean, I love me some Ken's honey mustard. You put that on some chicken, chicken nuggets. It's really awesome. But when you zoom in on the, you know, flip it around and zoom in on the nutrition facts on the flip side of it, two tablespoons is a serving that's 130 calories. If we think back to the running guy, that's uh, what, 15 minutes running to burn. It literally looks like a half a shot glass. How many of us really, really, really do that two tablespoons uh, looking like a shot glass when we put it on our salad? I mean, probably can't even taste that, quite honestly, when some of us put so much dressing on salads. Another pet peeve, this is, this is a shot from Spinks right up the road from my house. Supersized drinks. The jumbo cup at Spinks, I think it comes with handles on it because it's so large. It's 32 ounces at 20 calories per ounce in Dr. Pepper. That's 640 calories in one drink. The couch potato desk jockey guy, that's almost half his calorie consumption requirements for one day in one drink. So 640 calories. If you're on an 1,800 calorie a day diet, you've literally had 640 calories in one drink. So a lot of a lot of hidden calories or things that we don't think about there. Free refills. Those two words that I think have been the downfall of our country. It sounds great. Oh, I get it for free. I went out to I think it was Chili's recently and had a uh, Santa Fe grilled chicken salad. Kudos for them. They put their estimated calorie count on the menu. It was 560 calories. I also, as one of my standards, order water as well as if I'm going to treat myself and have a soda, I want water and a soda. I try and drink as much of the water as I can, which minimizes my thirst and need for the soda. What was really, really funny here, though, is the server, and she was fantastic. I'm not saying that there was anything wrong with the service or anything else, but she carried around her pitcher of refill drinks. One of them was the Dr. Pepper, which she was trying to refill on me. I hadn't drank any. And she asked me twice, do I need a refill on the Dr. Pepper? There sits my water glass empty. Never asked me about that. Now, if I had said, hey, no, I'm good on that, but could you refill my water? She most certainly would have. But I think I just think it's kind of interesting that they're they're keen to 
refilling the soda glass. And that they pay for, because I guarantee you, she just went back and got water out the tap for me. And yeah, they pay a small amount for that. Hey, they're, Steve, they're, Steve, can I jump in? Um, we absolutely. have a question on Facebook, diet sure. drinks. What are, what are your feelings about diet drinks? It depends on who you follow on social media. Some people are going to tell you that you're going to drop dead tomorrow if you eat that nasty, toxic, blah, 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 diet drinks. But then there's also research out there that picks apart every ingredient that goes in there and says, well, it's food grade, it's safe, it's been tested for however many number of years. Uh, setting apart, oh, what is it? Uh, was it aspartame? There's a couple way, way back. Like I remember my grandmother used to drink tab soda, and I think they did have to take that off the market. But most of the ones now, if you go with the, the experts in nutrition, here again, it comes back to uh, moderation. As long as you're not drinking 100 of those things a day, the chemical sweeteners in those are not as bad as some people make them out to be. But personally, I don't like the taste of them. There was one time where I did accidentally buy a, um, is it the, I think it's zero, Dr. Pepper zero, something like that. And I can't remember what the sweetener is, but the only reason that I knew, taste-wise, it tasted pretty spot on. The only reason that I knew that it was something was a little bit different was that I had a, and I can't even call it a really upset stomach, but it was just like, something's not right down there. And that's when I looked at the bottom, like, oh, no, I bought the zero one. I didn't mean to do that. I went back and I was talking with the dietitian at work and she's like, yeah, a lot of people have problems with those different things. So, I mean, for me, it's a personal uh, thing. As long as you're not drinking, you know, the, the spank size, four or five, six of those a day in the diet drinks, you're doing moderation. It shouldn't be a problem. I, th the best thing to drink is water. I mean, honestly, drink some, drink some water, uh, run it through a filter. If you, I mean, I, I don't like what I call pool water. I don't like water that tastes like chlorine. I grew up with a pool growing up. <laughs> And, it, you know, there's, I'm just not a fan of, of chlorinated water. So run through a filter. There's also some additive packets out there. I have yet to try them, but they're called Element. And it's L-L-M-N-T, but it's pronounced Element. And it's basically your electrolytes. So it's kind of like Gatorade without all the sugar that's in it. Now, you can do artificially sweetened Gatorade. Personally, I do the, the sugar Gatorade. I, I use, it's about a half a serving as part of my pre-workout mix that I use. I don't see a problem with diet drinks the way some people do, but the, you have to do what's right for you. If you don't want to drink diet drink, then that's okay. Okay. Lastly, and my final one is checking to make sure you're actually hungry. This guy's looking in the refrigerator. He's well stocked. He shouldn't have to go to the store for a while. But are you really hungry? Some people put a note on the refrigerator, close the door, you're bored, not hungry. I've seen that before. Or is it just time to eat? You know, some people say, oh, it's five o'clock, it's dinner time. But are you really hungry? I mean, if you ate a big lunch, do you really need dinner right at five o'clock? Do you need to eat pork roast, mashed potatoes and gravy or whatever you had set aside, you know, a big batch of tacos or something for lunch? Follow those hunger pangs. I'm not a big fan of, of fasting. I've done it before for about 24 hours and I was just miserable. I mean, about as much fasting as I do now is from the time I go to sleep about seven o'clock, seven, seven thirty at night until I'm done in the gym in the morning about uh, 5.30, 6 o'clock when I get home and I'll eat. So that's about 10 hours without food. But if you really want to tune into your, your own hunger pangs and what it feels like to be hungry, just don't eat for 12 hours or 18 hours or 24 hours. You're not going to die. Nobody's ever died from, you know, just if you're in good health, you're not, you're not going to die. And I mean, also food is really easy for us to get. I mean, you can literally pick up your phone and push a few buttons and it shows up at the door of your, at the door to your house. It's really, really easy to get food. And then also when you start to get tuned into that and with portion control, 
you can say, okay, I'm a little bit hungry. Well, figure out what little bit of hungry, how much food satisfies the little bit of hunger. If you're just, you know, oh, maybe um, some salad type veggies and, uh, you know, a, a small piece of a chicken breast hungry versus I got to eat three chicken breasts and, you know, some mashed potatoes and a big thing of, of mixed vegetable with some olive oil and garlic. Oil. Which hunger are you? So, and that's a big thing, a challenge that I go through a lot with myself is, okay, I just ate a whole bunch of food and I wasn't really hungry. I mean, you can force it, but check to make sure you're hungry before you start eating. We will take uh, time to do questions if anybody else has them, but I do want to talk a little bit more about what I am offering to people. 10 people who go to my website, stevepuffery.com. There's some information about me there, some FAQs, getting to know me kind of stuff, my background. Uh, there's also a contact page. If you go to this contact page and shoot me, it comes to my email. Somewhere in there, tell me something about yourself, You know, a little bit about you, what it is you're trying to achieve. Make sure you mention Wellness Wednesdays in there. Oh, that you saw saw me on this disappearance with David. We will get together for about 15 minutes so I can get some information about you to put together this plan for you. And then we'll get back together a couple days later and spend about 45 minutes going through that and figuring out exactly what you should be eating, how much of it, and I'll answer you know as many questions that you have and help you any way I can. But one thing that I wanted to add is is I think when we don't know what to do. We, we just tend to revert back into our old habits. So that's why even with money, if you have a spending plan and it doesn't have to be restrictive budget, sometimes a spending plan is, look, I'm going to pay my bills. I'm going to save 10%. I'm going to give 10%. Then I'm going to spend the rest and have fun with it. That's a plan. And that's kind of a simple plan. You could stick with that. But people who are thinking, well, you know, I, I saw one show where they said meat is going to kill us. Another show that said vegetables going to kill us. And I don't know if carbs are good or carbs are bad. So then you say, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to Spinks. I'm going to have, you know, four gallons of Dr. Pepper. So speak with somebody like Steve and find out like, what is a smart plan for you? And then I think it's much, much easier to stick with the plan and be purposeful. Absolutely. I saw something the other day and I can't remember who it was, but he was, he was attacking broccoli. Broccoli was going to kill us. Broccoli is bad for you. It does. And he names off, you know, he's like a scientist or, or actually I think he's a psychologist, but he does the nutrition thing. He names off all these weird chemicals that are in broccoli and what they do in your stomach and how you gain weight. And, and then, of course, there's other people on the other side of that that are like, no, that's not not how that works. Don't, don't pay any attention. So really, I mean, and both sides can argue what sounds like really, really intelligently throwing facts at you. But I, I guess it's kind of the old adage, like, if it sounds too good to be true, in this case, if it sounds a little bit too nutty, it probably is. And there again, I mean, I eat broccoli. I mean, I don't, I don't have a copy of my labs for my doctor here, but they're spot on. I'm 54. I don't have any, aside from this cold thing, um, you know, I don't have any, any abnormal labs. And I eat pretty much what I want. I mean, there's a lot of people that they're doing carnivore diets and they swear by them. I couldn't eat just meat. You know, they get up in the morning and they eat a steak and they eat a steak for, for lunch and they eat a steak for dinner and it's fried in butter. And that's great. If that works for you, I, I mean, I would, I would get tired of that eventually. Um, and all of them have the labs to back up that, you know, I'm perfectly healthy. It did not throw off my cholesterol or this or anything else. All their, you know, all their lab profile, their lab profile is fine. Um, they've lost weight. Some of them said, well, you know, I put my mom on this diet and, she, you know, her blood sugar is better and this, everything. 
it's, I don't want to tell people it's just anything goes, but you really, really, really have to just figure out what works best for you. And I know that frustrates people a lot when they come to me and they say, write me a nutrition plan. Tell me what to eat. I can't tell you what to eat. I can tell yeah. you what I eat and why. Yeah. But if, first off, if I told you what to eat, probably you're not going to like it anyways. So yeah. why? But you know, I'm if just... you're doing the carnivore diet and let's say you're eating meat only, is it the fact that you're eating meat that's giving you good results or the fact that you're not eating Skittles and not eating Doritos, which are basically chemically produced food-like substances? Yes. And the, and the other thing with that also is even if it's just the mindset of, of fill in the blank with pick any kind of diet, you know, a keto or, or whatever, you are going to change things. I'm going to go on a diet. Well, a lot of people this time of year say, I'm going to go diet. Well, they also start going to the gym. They also, I'm going to take the dog for a while. So was it the diet or was it the gym or was it both? Or I mean, you've got to look at everything that you're doing in totality to figure out what's going on with you. Like, I mean, there's, there's vegetarians or vegans. If that works for them, I'm not going to tell them to stop. As long as you're metabolically healthy and, you know, get the, the rubber stamp from your doctor or, you know, even if you say, I don't care what he says, if you are healthy and happy on whatever it is you're eating, by all means. But I haven't really met any of the Skittles eaters that are, you know, if, if you're big and you eat nothing but Skittles and donuts and fast food stuff that are truly happy, that generally don't like something about themselves deep down, even if they won't tell me to my face, they want to change. And, and that's okay. I mean, that's, that's what I'm here for. I, and, and like I said, I don't, I don't prescribe anything. Legally, I can't. I mean, you can go to a dietitian, registered dietitian, and they can prescribe you a diet plan. Those are the only ones out there that can. Like just a regular nutritionist like myself is not supposed to tell you exactly what to eat. I mean, when I, when I go through this with people, there's suggestions in there. But I can't say for breakfast, you're going to eat X, Y, Z. Like if you go to the hospital and you're admitted and you're in a hospital room, there's a dietitian that the doctor told them what kind of diet, you know, like, like, I mean, I work in a dialysis clinic. Those patients are prescribed a renal diet. Whether or not they follow it is on them. But if you're a captive agent in a hospital and you're, and you're admitted, you're an inpatient in a hospital, the food that you're served came to you courtesy of a dietitian. Absolutely. I want to encourage everybody. Everybody should have a who in their life. So if there's some part of your life where you need help, instead of trying to figure out how to do something, which might be to lose weight, might be to manage your money better, might be how to have better relationships, don't ask necessarily how. Ask who. Who's out there that can help me with that? And and maybe Steve is your who for, for getting healthy, or maybe Steve's not. Maybe there's somebody else. But I think if we don't have a who in our lives and if we leave it just to ourselves, we just tend not to make progress. So, you know, anybody who feels like it would be a great idea, go to stevepumphrey.com, go to the contact me, put in the wellness Wednesday, put in your, um, put in your information and, and get that uh, calorie and macro and portion guide. I think that would be pretty, uh, pretty valuable to anybody. Okay. So as you know, I host the weekly wealth podcast and we talk about the mindsets and the tactics and the strategies that can help you to build and maintain wealth. So, Steve, what is your definition of wealth? What does wealth mean to you personally? Hmm. I guess it would probably be the my entirety because I don't look at wealth as money. I mean, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm not a millionaire by any stretch, 
Um, some days I'm not even sure I'm a thousand there, but everything in totality that I have in my life, my family, my friends, my day job, this job that I'm, I'm doing here with you, my clients, that to me are assets that I have, kind of just what you were talking about, you know, your go-to people. That to me is wealth, networking. You know, if I have a, a financial question, or I have a friend of mine that says, I really don't know what to do with this money. But you know what? I know a guy. I can't really have, I can help you with the, you know, you put down the soda so you don't spend as much money on that. But knowing people, connecting with people, networking, that to me, your, your, your sphere of influence, who influences you and the energy that you get off of them and the energy that you return to your community. That probably is, to me, my definition of wealth. I love it. And that's exactly why I've put together this Wellness Wednesday webinars series, because it's not only about money. I've known plenty of very financially wealthy people that were miserable, uh, that had bad relationships and, or, or unhealthy relationships and had unhealthy bodies. So that's exactly um, and we didn't even rehearse that. So that's uh, that's good. We're in the same. Uh, same that one <laughs> I like it. I like it. All right, everybody. So we're going to we're going to call it a day here. Go to stevehumphrey.com. Sign up uh, for your personalized nutrition report. And uh, Steve, I really appreciate your time and your expertise and uh, look forward to getting this out on uh, on social media and on YouTube. And would love to have you on again sometime. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me, David. The information contained herein included but not limited to research, market valuations, calculations, estimates, and other materials obtained from Parallel Financial and other sources are believed to be reliable. However, Parallel Financial does not warrant its accuracy or completedness. These materials are provided for informational purposes only and should not be used for or construed as an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any security. Past performance is not indicative of any future results.